All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast Friday edition. That's right. It's Steve on a Friday. You are welcome, America. Everybody loves a good nooner, right, Jack? Get that lunchtime, lunchtime delight in for your podcasting enjoyment today. Really, really can't beat it. Uh, it's just a, can't beat a nooner. That's all you can say. I, that's that's probably the theme of this whole this whole show. So me and Jack, early edition today, joined of course by Mr. Javanaugh himself uh, on every platform, including Facebook, as we have established. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Jack Kavanaugh, the Facebook. magician. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk some Thursday night football. Let's let's talk some TNF here. So uh, what you what you take away from the Texans Colts game last night, Jack? Well, I took away that we were blessed to have a good Thursday night game this time instead of having Finally. to deal with. I know it was it was entertaining from start to finish. We didn't have to deal with a bad game and then a brawl at the end. It was great. And uh, biggest well, takeaway: see, entertaining from like an outside third party perspective. As a Texans fan, it was just ugh. It, it was gut wrenching the whole time. So it was edge that's, of the seat, so stressful. But yes, good game at least. That's fair, but quality, just quality football all around it. Yes, quality. quality. There's that's a good word for it. Quality football player DeAndre Hopkins. Oh my god. Ooh, ooh. Boy, is that man good. Also, um, I will remind everybody of this because I think I've only said it, um, let me count, 47 times at this point. Will Fuller, the ultimate deep threat on that team, the ultimate boomer bust, and when he is starting in that lineup, he is fringe wide receiver three slash two territory because he's going to get the volume downfield and Kenny Stills is not startable. And unfortunately, that's that that's the way it's worked out. And when when Fuller's off the field, Kenny Stills right there, wide receiver three territory, easy pickup and play. But it just that's just the way it's been. Is Hopkins is locked in wide receiver one, no matter what the situation. But if Fuller is playing, he's the guy. If he's not, it's Stills. And uh, believe it or not, Kiki QT is still on the team. I kind of forgot about him, yep. unfortunately. So did still the dreaming, Still dreaming about that breakout. Yeah, Do you remember when people thought... 2021. Do you so, remember people thought that DeAndre uh, Hopkins see. was a bust, though, from weeks two to four? Everyone was all oh, mad that he was doing that's, nothing? That is my bet. Like, DeAndre Hopkins, weeks yeah, two to four, when he after he had the 31 in week one, kind of fell off a little bit there, but... Yes, we all know the talent of Nuke. We all know how great he is and how he'd rebound this year. But my ultimate favorite was when people thought Hopkins was a bust just overall after this Brock Osweiler season. And just after that, I will never, ever turn my back on Nuke again. Just can't do it. I mean, since that slump that he had... He's the wide receiver, six in points per game, 19 points a game. Like He's just disgusting. Like A slump for him was barely even anything either. Right. It, it, a, barely a blip on the radar. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely not worried about Nuke. Clearly now, legitimate top five guy, period, end of story. Uh, so the Texans, have they, have they fixed their secondary? Speaking of Houston, they keep adding all these pieces. They've got a Frankenstein secondary going with all these pieces from other teams that have been cast off. And all of a sudden, I mean, things have turned around for him a little bit here. Like, I got some stats for you, Jack. Uh, So Jacoby Brissett, in their first meeting, week seven, he was 26 of 39 for 326 yards, four touchdowns through the air, 27.6 fantasy points. The Texans average giving up 21.1. Their best performance of the season was week two in Minshew's first career start. He only had 213 yards passing and one passing touchdown. Last night, Jacoby Brissett, 16 of 25, 129 through the air, no passing touchdowns, 13.2, bailed out by a rushing touchdown. What I, have they fixed that secondary? Is it tough to pass against the Texans now? 
Uh, well, I would like to remind you that Lamar Jackson did throw four touchdowns against them the week before. You do have yeah, to remember that's Lamar that. Jackson. I mean, uh, it's. I think their secondary is good enough, but I don't think it's completely fixed. They're not bottom of the barrel anymore. They're a serviceable group. They can make some plays, but I don't think they completely solved all their issues. Gary and Conley's not a problem fixer. I mean, that's fair. Uh, my my thought would be, I just feel like at this point, because of how they've been torched through the air, that's kind of the reason people have stayed away from the Texans' defense as a fantasy viable option, right? And now here's a game where, for all intents and purposes, a quarterback who's already ripped them apart this year, Bradley Roby was hurt, they've been banged up, they're coming off a short week, and they go out there, and they actually look pretty competent. They're looking pretty decent. And now, week 13, they have 10 days, but they're playing the Patriots. You don't love that. But then after that, you've got Denver, Tennessee, Tampa, and Tennessee again to close out the year. I mean, it would be... There's crazier moves you could make than picking up the Texans' defense, I guess is my overwhelming point here. I'll agree with that, especially because uh, defense is so up and down and the Texans have really been kind of a bottom of the barrel secondary, but now they kind of move into that middle of the pack and that's all you really need when they have great matchups like that. They're going to be starting against Brandon Allen. That's a matchup you can exploit. Yeah. And again, this is, this is something we will, uh, we'll get into later when we hit trust or bust with the defenses. Foreshadowing. I have a little bit of a, uh, a a little bit of a, a rant to go on there. So uh, be prepared for that, people. Uh, what about the Colts on the other side of the ball? What's what's up with Jacoby Brissett? Who is he right now? Uh, that's a great question. Do we really know what Jacoby Brissett is? Because I don't think we do. The last two games, back-to-back games under 150 yards passing, one touchdown pass, he had rushing pat- touchdown to bail him out too, and one interception in that span. Is it the injury still hampering him, or is Jacoby Brissett kind of just an Andy Dalton-type quarterback where he's good enough but not good? I'll I'll give you a better one. Uh, Jacoby Brissett right now is Josh Allen end of last season. Yeah, yeah. He's got the arm. He's got the ability. He has receivers. It's just he's not throwing it. They're they're running the ball like crazy, and he's scrambling. And, and his biggest thing saving him right now is the scrambling yards and the scrambling touchdowns. If that gets eliminated, then all of a sudden he's not even rosterable. Am I wrong there? Oh, you're completely uh, right. And that's the thing is, you know, you love a great uh, great rushing quarterback gives you a great uh, floor, but yeah. when you don't have a passing ceiling or a passing floor, even with Brissett, we've seen lately. Yeah, he's not rosterable without that rushing upside. Yeah, they got T.Y. Hilton back, which is certainly going to help, you know, long term. And again, they've got 10 days now to prepare for their next game. But again, it's similar schedule. They've got Tennessee, Tampa. They're going to New Orleans, which could be rough. uh, And then Carolina and Jacksonville. So they they have an interesting schedule to finish the year. And I feel like, like I said, it's going to end up being around Josh Allen last year where for the rest of the season, Jacoby Brissett is going to hover in our rankings somewhere around 13-14 on a weekly basis, where if someone's hoarding a couple of good quarterbacks on your team, he's the best guy out there for you to use. Yeah, that's completely fair. Uh, that's really all you can say about Jacoby Brissett. He doesn't offer the up, the high upside, but it, like you said, matchup dependent starter. Well, the Colts were in that game the whole time, and it wasn't because of the pass game, so you know what had to be going off then. It was the running game. So, Jonathan Williams, my question to you then is, is he a worthwhile stash when oh, uh, Marlon Mack comes back? Absolutely. Absolutely worth a worthwhile stash. Like, Marlon Mack, he's got it's his hand, his wrist. That we, We've seen that uh, hamper people for a while before. Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, that's kind of just completely sidetracked those guys uh, when they've suffered those injuries. So we don't know how long he's going to be out. Jonathan Williams was a complete workhorse. Naheem Hines was completely phased out of the game. We saw 45 snaps for Williams to 22 for Hines. Williams had 26 carries. Hines had nine, and they both had three targets. Hines is irrelevant. 
Jordan Wilkins is irrelevant, apparently. Jonathan Williams is like, wheels are up on him. Uh, yeah, my big thing is with Marlon Mack, he injured his right hand. That was the fracture. That was the surgery. They say that he'll be back in week 13, that he'll just miss the one game and then he'll be back, but he'll have to play with the cast on the surgically repaired hand. So he's going to be carrying in his left hand, which hampers him in two ways. Number one, it's his offhand. So you always have, you know, worse grip, uh, you know, worse ball control, uh, he, he was, we mentioned on Wednesday, not a big factor in the passing game. So that's not going to, you know, affect his fantasy value too much there. But I, the other reason that, you know, having just the left hand is going to hamper him is because if you can't switch hands, if you can't alternate the way you're running the ball occasionally, the defense always knows which ball to try, which arm to try to punch at, where to try to find the ball when you're running with it. So I think it puts him at a disadvantage there. Look, if if he starts to struggle with, you know, the clubbed hand, if he starts to struggle in any way, shape, or form, given what we've seen from Jonathan Williams the last couple weeks, if you're the Colts, how can you not, you know, give him more? How can you not cycle him in and make this a true running back by committee? You know, if you're a Marlon Mack owner, it's certainly not what you want to hear, but I think if you're an NFL, you know, fan, looking at the game from a football perspective, I feel like that's the way the Colts may lean. And as we saw, he's capable of producing even with Marlon Mack uh, in the lineup still. They both put up 100 yards uh, on Sunday, which was great to see. And at this point, the Colts are kind of in limbo right now. They might not make the playoffs. They might make the playoffs. But if they lose to the Titans next week and they lose to the Bucks, they could completely just shut down Marlon Mack, Jonathan Williams' full-go starter in his final two games of the fantasy playoffs. Well, my big thing, too, is... When you look at the Colts, they lost that game, and uh, they're still in the playoff hunt. They're they're still right there in the wild card picture. So if if I'm them, I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking down the line. I'm thinking playoffs. I want to be a Super Bowl team. I don't care about how I do in the regular season. I want to be a Super Bowl team. And the... The injury to Marlon Mack, with how Williams has played, maybe you let him sit out a couple games. Maybe you let that hand heal before you throw him right back into the fire. Yeah, there's really, really no point in rushing him back with what we've seen from Williams. If yeah, would, exactly. Like, if, if it, it was would... Naheem Hines and it was Wilkins, like Wilkins looked last year, ugh. Like, if that was At the case again, where they couldn't and... run the ball and they couldn't pass the ball... Then I could see them rushing him back immediately. But, yeah, I got to believe at this point they're going to pump the brakes and, and just say, you know what, take some time off, let that hand heal. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, wreck him for the rest of the season. Exactly. And if if you're uh, in the playoff hunt still, you shut them down for a bit if they start losing or if, if they're in the air or, ah, sorry, or if they're just performing well. So we, uh, sorry, I'm lost here. <laughs> Uh, oh, tripping over your own feet. Oh, it's all right. That's the, that's the Jordan Belial Wilkins Powell. special. That's Jordan the, that's Wilkins the Belial special. Powell right there. It's just tripping over your own feet in open yardage. Just uh, America's favorite running back. But no, I, I get what you're saying. It, it's We're on the same page here. It's If it was Wilkins and Hines and they were struggling to run the ball and pass the ball, then you bring back your weapon as quickly as you can get him. But at this point, I'd say they rest him let the hand heal, and just go with Williams. And even if Mack comes back and is the starter in Week 13, I'm still holding on to Jonathan Williams on the back end of my bench for the idea that, one, he may get worked into a rotation, and two, Marlon Mack may end up sitting down at some point, and then we've seen what Williams can do when given the opportunity. Absolutely. He's probably one of the top handcuffs in the league right now. And he has not even just handcuff upside. He could be a regular starter, too. Absolutely. All right, let's go into uh, the preview of the weekend here. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center. Center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it. And stats. 
you need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. All right, Jack, here we go. News for the week. Buys, we have the Cardinals, Chiefs, Chargers, and Vikings. Look, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting week. It's the last week of the buys. Thank God for that. I am so relieved. We can so done with that. However, uh, we do still have injuries and things to deal with the rest of the way, so we'll, we, we will still have streaming options we'll have to look at. But at least the buys are done. We don't have entire teams to stop planning for. So quarterback, tight end, keep in mind, my boy, Delaney Walker is back. And people hate Delaney Walker, and I don't understand it. And that's more foreshadowing because we're going to get into that later. And we all know where I'm going with that. But Delaney Walker, keep it on your radar. Uh, James Winston, dealing with that ankle injury he suffered last week. He was a full go in the first two practices. Uh, Worried at all about famous Jameis? Uh, not really. I feel like Jameis would play through it even if it really was bothering him. And it's not like it's going to make him throw any more interceptions, right? Like, he's just kind of capped out his limit of two interceptions a game Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, he got this ankle injury and all of a sudden he didn't throw interceptions? Like, that uh, somehow fixed it. Ugh, wow. As a Jameis owner, dare that... to dream. Dare to dream. Oh, that'd be oh, beautiful. That'd be great. It would, but um, we'll see. But no, we'll yeah, see. there's there's kind of this misconception out there too that Jameis Winston is like a super mobile running quarterback, and that that's not the case. Like it's very rare to see him take off. He has a couple of times this season and gotten big gains out of it, but that's that's really not his repertoire. That's that's you're thinking of other people. That's that's not Jameis. Like uh, he can do it, but he doesn't. So it's, yeah, exactly. You're, you're not so, accounting for that when you're building your. Right, like the ankle injury doesn't scare me. So I'm all right playing Jameis this week for sure. And then uh, David Njoku, who we talked about on Wednesday, uh, he actually will not be activated from the IR now, according to Freddie Kitchens in his press conference earlier today. So uh, screw you too, Freddie. How about that? Uh, So disappointing. David Njoku is, at this point, he could just save your tight end position, and it's just so disappointing to not see him playing. We need him back. Well, it's a bummer, too, because they're playing Miami. So, like, if there was any week you could bring him back and feel like he's going to do something, this would be the week, right? But, ah. Uh, Damn it, Freddy. Blew it. All right, so uh, let's move on to up in the air. Up in the air is George Kittle. This is an interesting one because we we touched on this briefly before. He said he wants to play Sunday night. He's doing everything he can. He's not practicing this week. It's hard to trust that he's actually going to be out there, and it's the Sunday night game, so you have to have a built-in backup plan. But do you trust Ross Dwelly? Because if you do, this is a non-issue. You just get the handcuff. I put it in the waiver column this week. What do you feel about Ross Dwelly? I think Ross Dwelly is, I don't trust him, but I don't bust him either. I think his role is safe. He's going to get five targets. And at the tight end position, that's really all you can ask for. So, yeah, I'd roll with Ross Dwelly if Kittle's out, absolutely. It's not like he's going to be a game-breaking guy, but the role is there. And at tight end, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It, it's anybody with a chip in a chair, right, at tight end is, is basically the way that that goes. And I think I want to just double-check and confirm. Yes, I have Ross Dwelly. I cur- currently on my rankings, I have uh, Kittle out assuming he doesn't play. And with that in mind, I have Ross Dwelly at 14. I mean, we saw how he gets force-fed. It's the position. It's the position in that offense is just going to get a ton of volume, especially if Kyle Juszczyk is banged up again. So if he's limited and can't get the seven targets that he got last week, then uh, it'll it'll be the Ross Dwelly show with George Kittle out. And if Kittle is in there, he's my tight end one. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Oh, no, absolutely not. George Kittle is something special. If he's in, you're playing him. Yeah. Expect to be without Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison. Ellison in the concussion protocol. So now no tight ends for the Giants, right? I mean, just whoever their third guy is. 
Uh, so I'm looking at their roster, and they've got Caden Smith and Scott Simonson. Smith is a rookie. Simonson is in his fifth year, and they're both number 82. So I don't know how that works. If one of them's gonna have to switch, uh, nice. I they don't keep think rotating the Giants who uh, who plays and who's on the practice squad every week. And now yeah, they're gonna apparently. have to share a jersey. Interesting. I don't uh, think the Giants care very much so... about either of them. So neither. <laughs> yeah, clearly that's no, that's that's brutal. So obviously you're not playing either of uh, the giant tight ends that would be available. In that case, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton will both be the guys getting a ton of workload there. And uh, uh, perhaps even Sterling Shepard back from the dead? Wow. that is that even possible? I'll believe it I when I see know. it. I don't yeah, know like about they that keep, one. They keep saying he's going to clear the protocol, but it's, it's still Friday. So and, until it happens Sunday at kickoff, I'm I'm skeptical, but we'll see. Sterling Shepard is the boy who cried wolf, but the boy who cried concussion. Wow, wow, that's something Neil would say. I don't. I wouldn't expect that from you. Wow, it's not his. That's... It's not his fault. But <laughs> like, you can't say you're going to come back when you're not. You don't know if you're coming back. That's not how concussions work. You don't know how concussions work. You're not a medical professional. He's injured and he hasn't cleared protocol. <laughs> How do we know he's going to clear protocol? That's like we just have to wait till we see it. We can't just predict it. Well, the only thing that we can say about that is the fact that the Giants uh, released their injury report and Sterling Shepard currently isn't on it. So that would assume they're saying he'll clear the protocol by Sunday. Because if he wasn't, they would have to list him with a concussion. So. Maybe he's got a chance. I don't know. Or maybe somebody in the Giants front office is really bad at paperwork. Also a plausible answer to that. Plausible and very likely at that, almost. Uh, Austin Hooper is going to be out this week as well, so expect to be without him. He hopes to return in week 13. I'm not playing the backup tight end in Atlanta in his absence. Just something to keep in mind. Meanwhile... Uh, let's go with running backs here. Keep in mind, Josh Jacobs still dealing with that shoulder injury. Uh, nobody up in the air, but expect to be without James Conner. He came back into that game on Thursday last week, but left early. Jalen Samuels to the moon, correct? Oh, absolutely. Especially against the Bengals, too. Jalen Sam- like their passing offense revolves around throwing it one to three yards. That's all Jalen Samuels. Yeah, so, I mean... I think he's a top 10 play for basically all of us this week. Slam dunk pick. Go ahead, Jalen Samuels. It's all you people. Uh, expect to be without Jordan Howard. He's got the shoulder injury still and has still not been cleared for contact. Yikes. How concerned are you long-term now rest of season? I'm pretty concerned about that, especially because they did sign Jay Ajayi. Not that he played, but he plays the same position as Jordan Howard, so it doesn't say... Uh, it doesn't say good things for his health. And even when he does come back, Miles Sanders, is he going to take keep taking the role? Obviously, he didn't break out last week, but it was against the Patriots. If he breaks out this week, Jordan Howard might just never get the job back. Yeah, at this point with the Miles Sanders, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. This is this is the Sterling Shepard concussion protocol all over again. Is This, this is, is just the wait and see. So This is true, but yeah, I don't How- know. I, Howard doesn't really have a pass season, back to huge relevance yeah preseason i was all over the miles sanders i figured by this point he would have dominated enough to take over that job but that's just that just hasn't been the case so we'll we'll see um let's see expect to be without devonta freeman as well that means it's more brian hill boy did we all get burned by that last week so we'll see we'll see if you want to trust that again uh i still love brian hill but uh yeah that was disappointing Still in on him, but not as heavily. Meanwhile, uh, keep in mind Brandon Cooks is on pace to return this week, and Robert Woods returned to practice with the Rams. He is also expected to play as we head into the weekend. Up in the air, Tyler Lockett still dealing with that deep, deep bruise on his shin. Uh, so he will be a heavy questionable heading into the weekend, but they expect that he will play. It's just we don't know for sure. Uh, let's see. The human question mark. Alshon Jeffrey, big shock. Ankle injury has sidelined him last week. Still hurting him this week. 
So that means good things for who? Because Nelson Aguilar with the knee injury also up in the air. Is this just the Zach Ertz party all day again? Uh, Zach Ertz, and uh, we'll get to his twin later, who we are big in on this week. Oh, interesting. More foreshadow. There's a lot of foreshadowing on this episode. I'm just saying. This is like the it's, foreshadow heavy. It's the foreshadowing nooner. Interesting. It's great. Lots of nuance, lots of suspense. You love to see it. <laughs> uh, expect to be without Juju. We mentioned that on Wednesday with the concussion in the knee. Uh, also, Auden Tate in the concussion protocol, you know, for whatever that's worth in fantasy relevance. Uh, AJ Green, the status quo, still going to be out. And then Dorsett dealing with a concussion of his own. Uh, yeah, so Tyler Lockett, if he plays, I'm absolutely in on him, especially against the Eagles Civ secondary. Uh, we didn't see much from the Patriots last week, but it, uh, that was a lot of wind in, wind in the game. I'm really in on Tyler Lockett. The Eagles passing game is going to be scary. Really not in on any of those receivers. But one guy I, I am a, slightly in on and one guy I do want to highlight, Scotty Miller on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's a wide receiver three now in Tampa Bay. He outsnapped Rashad Perriman, who is not good. We all know that. We've been on that train for years. And he actually had more yards than both Evans and Godwin. So we've seen from Bruce Arians that in his offense, he can support uh, multiple wide, uh, fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Pretty interested in Scotty Miller this week and going forward. Fantasy season is in full swing, but you can get covered with Roto-Assurance for your DFS team. All you have to do is draft your team on any DFS platform out there, then head over to rotoassurance.com and fill out the daily fantasy insurance form. All they need is some basic information like your name, email, how much the contest entry fee is, and the player that you want to insure. When you're doing that, you can enter promo code NONSENSE, that's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, to get 20% off of your coverage. If your insured player gets injured in the first half and does not return for the second half of the game due to that injury, then you're covered. You get your full entry fee back to that DFS contest. So what do you have to lose? Head on over to rotoassurance.com, use promo code NONSENSE to save 20% on your plan, and remember that injuries can happen at any time, so sign up today. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. Or bust. You make any kind of mistake and boom. Players to start. Let a fish be trusted what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30. All right, quarterbacks we trust. Uh, me personally, we, we all know this. I'm not going to beat the dead horse here. The Jeff Driscoll show. I, I mean, over the last two weeks, he's been QB7 in terms of points per game, and that was against Chicago, the 17th-rated matchup, and Dallas, the 10th-rated matchup. He's got Washington this week, matchup number 8. I don't understand how he's still rated in the 20s. Can you help me out with that, Jack? What's what's the hatred of Jeff Driscoll? I really cannot help you with that. I really don't understand it. He runs a faster forty than Cam Newton. Like he's got that rushing floor with him. He's actually he's got great receivers around him. Why are people not in on Jeff Driscoll? He's better Josh Allen, honestly. Wow! Wow! Look at that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I do like the arm strength of Josh Allen. I think he's got a better arm. But, yes, I would say that's probably a good, a good comp. Better comp than Stafford. But that offense this year has been clicking. It's been a guaranteed top 10 quarterback basically every week. So, yeah, all in on Jeff Driscoll there. And then Ryan Tannehill that I alluded to earlier. He is being started in less leagues right now than Mitchell Trubisky. All right? Right? Uh, Jeff Driscoll, by the way, is being started currently in left, less leagues than Pat Mahomes on the bye. Come, come that, on. That just makes no sense. What are we doing? What are we doing? This is insane. 
when you take out that 5.9 that Tannehill had when he took over the offense in week six, since then, week seven on, he's put up 20.9 fantasy points per game. That's QB nine. He's taking on a good matchup this weekend. I'm absolutely going to play Ryan Tannehill if I can. I don't understand the hate. He's right there with Driscoll in the 20s. You people are all insane. And he gets a quarterback's best friend back this week. Delaney Walker's going to return. He has him and Jonu Smith. Both are great. Yep. Ryan Tannehill is just set up for success. All right. Uh, I did the trusts here, and that was pretty much it. So QB bust, what do you got? All right, we're going to get into my QB bust, and it is Jimmy Garoppolo. Over his past four games, Jimmy G has scored 14, 29, 11, and 32 points. So he's been the QB 10 in points per game, but he's played the Cardinals twice in that span. He put up 29 and 32 points against the Cardinals. So can he beat anyone other than the Cardinals? Well, outside of the Cardinals and the Bengals, we've seen him score a tie of 15 points against the Browns. Is that a guy you want to trust? The Packers' run defense is terrible because they design it that way. They play a man down against the run. Shanahan is is just going to run all over them. He's going to feed the running backs, not let Jimmy G do a lot. Not going to be a big day for Jimmy G in the fantasy totals. Yep, that's a good one. That makes sense. My uh, bust for QBs is Tom Brady. Terrific Tom. Uh, he is currently going as a top 10 guy against Dallas in a fairly decent matchup that I alluded to earlier. However... The Patriots have been running the ball like crazy, and they've been relying on people other than Tom Brady to get things done. In fact, Neil even alluded to it on Wednesday, the fact that the passing touchdown last week was from Julian Edelman. They're not even throwing touchdowns with Tom Brady anymore. So Tom Brady, a guy I am super low on this week. I am all out on Tom Brady. I feel like there's a bunch of better options out there that you can be playing instead of him. I'll agree with that. I'm more middle of the pack on Brady, but interesting stat to note. This was the first time since in 2019 that he didn't complete a pass 20 yards downfield, which is not good for him. Is time catching up with Tom? Possibly. It catches up with everybody, so we'll see. Uh, Running back you trust this week. All right, so I trust Darius Geis. The Washington's backfield was broken up pretty weird last week. Standing ovation. (laughs) Standing over. Uh, it's happening. It's finally happening. He's healthy. Smallwood had 28 snaps. Geis had 20. Peterson had 17. But Peterson had the most touches with 11. Geis had 8. And Smallwood only had 1. They're just going to keep ramping him up as he gets healthier. Darius Geis is just a freak athlete. And the Lions run defense is terrible. Yeah, they shut down Zeke last week. But Zeke doesn't look like Zeke right now. I am really excited about Darius Geis. I'm clearly excited about Darius Geis. He was also my running back trust, so I just want to throw this nugget in there. Matt Breida, Miles Sanders, Duke Johnson, Brian Hill, and five players on the bye are currently started in more leagues than Darius Geis. He's the 36th most started running back in fantasy at this point. I've got him as a top 10 play, Jack. I absolutely believe in Darius Geis. Top 10, Darius Geis. All right, well, I'm a little bit lower on him. I have him in the 15 range. <laughs> yeah, nobody's but... as crazy as I am, but still, I am I'm up there. I like your sentiment. I like your sentiment. Another guy that I'm trusting this week is Ronald Jones. So last week, GameScript had him not really doing too much. He only had four carries. He was outsnapped by Dare Agumbawale, and Peyton Barber scored a fluke touchdown. But Peyton Barber also didn't have a carry, and he caught his two passes for 11 yards and a score. That doesn't really do anything for me. I don't really care about Peyton Barber. Don't think he's involved in the offense. And Ronald Jones tied with Daria Gumbawale in four targets. Uh, and he led the team in, with four rushes. So he's still the guy in that backfield. Game script is going to be way better against the Falcons. The Falcons D is so overrated. People are way too high on them for some reason now. They had two good games after 10 bad games. So not really sure of that. Really in on Ronald Jones this week. It's his backfield. And like you said, with uh, banged-up Jameis Winston, he's going to get the full workload. Yeah, normally with our consensus, we're like way up and way down. We're all over the place. There's always a every player you have, somebody's always high on them, somebody's always low on them. Everything varies. That's what happens when you have seven different people ranking players. And for Ronald Jones, our guy that's highest is 21 and the lowest is 25. 
So it, we're all right in the same spot. We all have him right there as as right there at a fringe back-end RB2. He absolutely should be started. We all can agree on that. We can't agree on everything when we do our rankings as a staff, but we can all agree Ronald Jones should be a back-end RB2 starter, and for some reason the public isn't in on it as well. So, yes, that's, that's a good one. Running back bust. Uh, so bust this week is Philip Lindsay. We saw the. Oh, Broncos. don't tell me that. Oh, I need that. No. Ah, uh, sorry, Steve. But we just saw the Broncos completely dominate. Game script was totally in Lindsay's favor. He outsnapped Freeman fifty-one to twenty-three, outtouched him eighteen to nine, and he only scored ten fantasy points. And Freeman scored six. So we're going to go back to a more even game this week. They're going to be more fifty-fifty. It's not really looking too good for Philip Lindsay going forward. He's kind of just a middle of the pack running back in a committee that doesn't look like it's going to have a lot of success. Here's what I will say to counter that Philip Lindsay. Yes, you are correct. Those numbers last week were not spectacular. However, what is the primary thing that holds up Philip Lindsay's fantasy value? The pass catching. The passes. And if it, it, it the pass catching wasn't there last week because they were up by 20 points and they were just trying to run out the clock and couldn't do it. So I don't think they're going to go up by 20 on the Bills. Now, I also didn't think they'd go up by 20 on Minnesota. So who knows? It's wildly unpredictable. But I think it's much more likely than not they're playing from behind a majority of this game and they're checking it down to Philip Lindsay a ton and in PPR leagues, that just makes him a monster this week. So that's that's what I'm cashing on, and hopefully I'm right. Yeah, see, I still see Royce Freeman getting a fair share of the passing game targets, which it's it's weird the way they break things up, but he's still getting involved. I just think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split this week, and that's not something I want against a talented Bills defense. Another thing, right, I, don't, another thing I don't really want this week is Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is the number 49 running back in PFF elusive rating out of 53. He's cracked four yards of carry just three times this season. Hasn't topped 100 yards. He is LeGarrette Blunt. Don't have to hurt the man to his face like that. My goodness. Show me the lie. Show me the lie. I never said it was a lie. I just said you don't have to hurt him like that. No, uh, I agree with that. We've been down on Sony Michelle all season, so I, I totally get that. Yep. Especially against the Cowboys, it's going to be a more competitive game. And so are we really sure that they're going to be running the ball a lot with Michelle? Because that's kind of been a waste lately. Now, here's here's the one that's going to get me in some trouble, and I already know it. It's it's a bust with an asterisk, all right? My RB bust this week is Josh Jacobs. In no way am I saying don't play Josh Jacobs. What I am saying is temper the expectations. All right, he's dealing with the banged-up shoulder, and he's going in against the Jets' defense that, since they made the trades uh, at the deadline, has actually been really good against the run the last couple of weeks. So they've been holding running backs in check recently. Uh, Josh Jacobs should get a fair amount of carries in this game, but I think this is going to be more of a pass-heavy game. It's going to be more of a shootout than it is Josh Jacobs getting involved in the run game. And I think that I would temper my expectations. I have him more as a mid-tier RB2 than the top five play he's going as in expert consensus right now. Uh, See, I still have him pretty high on my personal rankings, but I also went to go write about him in DFS, and I just couldn't do it because I don't think the upside is there this week. So I think, like you said, he's still got a safe floor. You you always want to play Josh Jacobs. You're not going to bench him. But I just don't right. think the upside is there, like you said. So I'm not recommending him in DFS. But yeah, still in on him. And I'm still starting him everywhere. But yeah, expectations yeah, are like, definitely Like I said, R- RB2, still absolutely startable. But I'm saying I figure he finishes more as an RB2 than an RB1. All right, what I, I, do you got for wide that. receivers? So wide receiver trust this week is Jarvis Landry. People do trust him. I won't say that they're that people are out on Jarvis Landry, but they also have Odell at the wide receiver five. He's outproduced Jarvis Landry once since week four. They're tied with targets and Jarvis Landry is just outproducing Odell in every, every possible way. 
So why are people so low on Jarvis Landry? Why is he a wide receiver 2-3 right now? Uh, I really don't get it. Jarvis is the wide receiver yeah, one in Cleveland. I, I have him at 17, so yes, he, he gets the volume, he gets the pass catching, um, and against Miami, it's a great matchup. I feel like at some point, Odell and him are going to eat into each other, So, which is why I have Odell at 19. Um, so I actually have Landry higher, but uh, I still feel like that, that passing offense just has not clicked yet. Um, but yes, I agree. Jarvis Landry should be much higher on people's boards than he actually is. Agreed completely. Uh, people are way too high on Odell, and I think it's just a brand name thing at this point. Yep. Uh, what isn't brand name, surprisingly, though, is Jameson Crowder. He's kind of snuck up in there, and he's actually been quietly one of the top fantasy wide receivers recently. He's oh, been averaging. Oh, not quietly. You clearly were not listening to the Wednesday show because people are so in love with Jamison Crowder. We're getting questions like Jamison Crowder or Devontae Adams this week. Okay, well, that's just a bit ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. So the, believe me, the Jamison Crowder love is out there. But yes, uh, I agree. Jamison Crowder, if you're not starting him, you should be. Uh, I, I'm lower than the general consensus on it, but I still believe it has an opportunity to do you know, be good against uh, Oakland. Like I said, I feel like that's that's got a shot to be a shootout of a game there. Absolutely, and the perfect shootout receiver uh, is Robbie Anderson, who I also have as a trust this week. Julio. Yeah, he's been invisible. Yeah, he's only caught four of his 10 tar- targets in the past three games, but he's a threat to take it 90 yards anytime. He's going to be playing against a rookie cornerback in Trayvon Mullen. Uh, it's just, this is the perfect time for Robbie Anderson to bounce back. Both of them are trust this week in my book. All right. Uh, let's see. Trust for me compared to consensus. This is, this is one I don't really get. So the Rams defense has been shady at best since coming over from Jacksonville. People have been feasting on Jalen Ramsey. He has not looked good in an LA uniform to this point. And, the Ravens are the highest scoring offense in football. They're chucking it around there to everybody. No one can figure out a way to stop them. So I don't understand how right now the general consensus is to have Hollywood Brown outside of the top 40. I think that they go crazy. I think they have another high scoring game. And I think a lot of it ends up going to Hollywood on a couple of deep scores I got Hollywood Brown as a back-end wide receiver one this week, Jack. Oh, one, I say. That is amazing. I absolutely love Hollywood Brown in real life, but I am not interested on in him this week. I think they t- try and spread it out a little bit more, but I'm not. I think that he's outside the top forty is absolutely ridiculous. I'm kind of more in between the t- your point yeah. and consensus. All right, what do you got for busts? A wide receiver bust this week is Cooper Cup. Ravens have been Ooh, great. Well, at that'll be the end of Jack's tenure here at Important Nonsense. So it was nice to know you, Jack. We appreciate all the time you put in for us here. I'm not completely benching Cooper Cup. Let's be clear. But you got really got to temper expectations this week. Uh, Ravens have you know, done great at limiting wide receiver ones, especially with Marlon Humphrey. Only two wide receiver ones have scored a touchdown on them. They were Tyler Lockett and Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju's was that, uh, as we remember, it was that long touchdown run that Marlon Humphrey decided to try and go for the fumble instead of the tackle, which was stupid. But other than that, no one scored a touchdown on them as wide receiver one. And no one's topped 100 yards as a wide receiver one against the Ravens. I think they're going to have to rely on everyone else instead of Cooper Cup. And I think they'll have success to Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks if he comes back. But I just think Cooper Cup is going to have a quieter day. Uh, For me, uh, Philly's secondary has been beat up most of the season. But they've actually been stingy again recently over the last couple of weeks. They've been a tougher matchup. Uh, They've been actually a minus matchup for most wide receivers they're up against. So... uh, For me, I think everybody's expecting Seattle to absolutely go off. I think it's going to be crazy that uh, Tyler Lockett is obviously, if he can play, he's going to be battling through the injury. We'll see how that goes. You have DK Metcalf, who is my bust, and then you've got Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's going to get integrated, and especially after this bye week, he absolutely is going to have a role in the offense this week when he comes out. I think he's going to cut into the production that DK Metcalf has 
Right now, Metcalf is going in expert consensus as a high-end wide receiver three. I have him outside of wide receiver three. I have him as a borderline back-end flex, barely startable. So, yeah, I'm completely out on DK Metcalf this week. Uh, See, I still do like DK Metcalf. I do think they integrate Josh Gordon a bit, but I still I'm kind of in on DK Metcalf making a big player, too. But another player of his mold is Michael Gallup, who I also don't trust this week because the way the Patriots defense works is either they have the wider Stefan Gilmore on the wide receiver one or they double team him and put Gilmore on the wide receiver, two. So it's either going to. So Michael Gallup is going to be facing Stefan Gilmore, which is not ideal, or he'll be facing J.C. Jackson. And as a pair, the two are allowing a 37 passer rating when targeted 10 yards downfield. That's kind of Michael Gallup's specialty. He excels at downfield plays. He's not going to be able to bust one on the Patriots. Yeah, I think his biggest hope, though, is that, you know, Amari Cooper gets right. And if they're feeding Cooper, they're not going to be able to take away Gallup as well. And that's his only. But but if Cooper's out there as a decoy and he's doing nothing, then, yeah, they can shut down Michael Gallup for sure. Completely Uh, tight end you trust. Uh, So this has kind of become a perennial thing on this show. It's the trust Noah Fant segment. Uh, Last week, he had 11 targets, and they dominated the uh, Vikings all game. So that's not really something you expect to see. But Brandon Allen clearly loves Noah Fan. Cortland Sutton's going to get the Tredavious White treatment, who somehow got roasted by Devontae Parker. I don't really want to talk about that because that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. But Noah Fant is going to have to be involved a lot if the Broncos want to have success. And my other trust for tight end this week is Dallas Goddard. So the Eagles are pretty much running only two tight end sets. Uh, They're running two wide receivers, two tight ends, and a running back since week eight. Since then, Goddard is second on the team in receptions, and he leads the team in receiving touchdowns. Can't trust Nelson Aguilar. We've seen that. You can't trust Alshon Jeffrey if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, then you definitely can't trust him. But when he's healthy, he's only catching 8.3% of his contested targets. Uh, You can't trust Matt Collins. Can't trust J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. It's Zach Ertz and it's Dallas Goddard. Uh, All right, trust for me. I've got Ryan Griffin, who I've talked about I don't know how many times at this point. Uh, He gets force-fed the ball. I've talked about that Oakland and Jets game that could be high scoring. He's the guy they look to in the red zone, uh, so he absolutely has an opportunity to be a top-10 tight end rest of season. I mentioned that in the SOS report on Wednesday. Uh, And then, of course, Delaney Walker, who we keep bringing back up. I have him as a top 10 play if he's good to go, and it looks like he will be. So uh, Delaney Walker, fire him up if you need a tight end. Uh, Busts. Uh, So tight end bust this week is Jared Cook because people don't seem to remember that he's facing Luke Keekley this week. Uh, Cook only had two targets last week, and he happened to get a touchdown on them. That's the only reason people are still in on him after the nine-target game against the Falcons. I really don't see the upside with Cook, especially against a the middle of like the middle of the field is a wasteland against the Panthers. I don't see it working out for Jared Cook this week. And on the other side of the ball, I don't see it working out for Greg Olson. He hasn't scored since week three when he caught two touchdowns. That's the only game he scored this year. He's a great safety blanket, but I don't think Kyle Allen's going to have a lot of success, and I'm not really in on Greg Olson this week. Yeah, I would agree with Jared Cook. He was also on my list for busts. Um, again, it's just people get caught up in the the idea that it's Drew Brees throwing the ball and that you know he's the red zone guy, but Michael Thomas is the red zone guy. Make no bones about it. Uh, if it wasn't for heavy blanket coverage, he absolutely would have gotten you know both of those targets that went uh, Cook's way last week. And Carolina has been very good against tight ends this season. So I definitely am out on Jared Cook. However, my other uh, my other bust, which is going to be controversial, I know it. I, I already know you guys are going to hate me for it, but it's Noah Fant. I'm sorry. He's, uh, he's my bust. Right now he's going uh, top 10 starter. I've got him in the high 20s. Look, it's I get the connection with Brandon Allen. I do, but a lot of his production has been from that one big play that they hit downfield, and Buffalo has been so good against tight ends this year, especially recently, that I just I can't put, at this time of year, I can't put my fantasy hopes and dreams in the hands of Noah Fant. I can't do it. Uh, see, I get what you're saying, but 11 targets just screams to me. I know. I know. I'm just saying. It's, it's the matchup. 
It, it, that's that's my only thing. So we'll move on to defense now. And defense I'm trusting this week is the Tennessee Titans because Nick Foles. There it is. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. Because Nick Foles is Nick Foles. That's the, that's the main reason. He's played nine games since he was Super Bowl MVP. He has 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, four fumbles. Are we really sure that Nick Foles is an upgrade on Gardner Minshew? Um, yes. But, <laughs> but hyper, hyper, I mean, hyperbole, still, yes. ending your sentence with hyperbole adds emphasis and makes your point stronger. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> but yes, but, the, I agree with you. The Titans are, for me, I have them as a top five play this week. So I, I'm streaming them in a couple of leagues. Absolutely play the Tennessee Titans if you get the opportunity. I don't understand why they're still so widely available. And uh, so another team that should be widely available because they're not very good, but you could do worse this week. Uh, people are all about the Falcons this week because they face turnover Jameis, but they forget that the Giants face turnover Mitchell Trubisky and have them down at defense 15. So Mitchell Trubisky is banged up. He was benched for playing bad banged up, injured his hip, whatever whatever we want to call it, whatever we've decided. Uh, it's not good, and the Giants just are in a good position to take advantage of uh, turnover-happy offense. Yeah, see, that's what I wanted to bring up now and talk about again was the fact that with defenses, people keep looking at it like, oh, well, you know, we've got this matchup here, this matchup there, whatever. For example, the one we're going to get into now, the busts, my defense bust this week is the L.A. Rams. And uh, again, it's it's the fact that you have teams who put up yardage. And yes, you could see a tough matchup and say that they've got a good offense. They're going to put up the yardage. They're going to score points on my defense. I don't want to play them. But at the same time, the worst thing that can happen if someone gets over 400 yards of total offense and somebody scores over 40 points against you is you get a negative 10 from your defense, but that gets chipped away with the sacks, with the takeaways in some leagues with QB pressures. It just depends on your scoring format. But if you have a team that can take away the ball, that's what you're looking for. You don't necessarily care about, can this team put up points? Will this team put up yardage? Is this going to be a shootout type environment? Like the Niners, a lot of people are down on the Niners this week because they're playing the Packers. They feel like it's going to be a high-scoring game, but it doesn't matter if it's a high-scoring game or if they give up a bunch of yardage as long as they're taking the ball away like they have been doing all season. Like the Eagles, for me, is a top-10 play, and a lot of people have them in the bottom half in the 20s. I mean, for our expert consensus, they come in at 25 because they're playing Seattle, but again, same thing. They're taking the ball away. They're scoring when they take the ball away. They've been getting a lot of sacks, getting to the quarterback. Even if Seattle puts up 40 points, it's not going to matter if the defense scores a touchdown or they return a punt for a touchdown or they get in the end zone some way, shape, or form themselves. It makes up for everything instantly. So that's the type of stuff you have to be looking at when you're talking about streaming defenses, not just, oh, hey, this is the team that puts up 40 points a game. Well spoken. That was a great analysis. I, I told you it's a rant, so there you go. But yes, I, I, I say all that, and the Rams, they haven't been taking away the ball. They've been pedestrian on defense. Even with Aaron Donald, they can certainly get to the quarterback, but you're facing Lamar Jackson. You're facing the highest scoring offense in the league. There's not many things that people are able to do well against the uh, Baltimore Ravens offense right now. So, there are. I would literally take any offense or any defense over the Rams this week. I have them dead last at twenty-eight. And you know, I've seen uh, Rams fans re- recently. They've been talking about how great their defense is, but they've played Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and the Bengals. I can't remember who started that game. If it was Dalton or if it was uh, they had benched him at that point. Yeah, for it but, was Finley. Yeah, yeah, but it like why are people high on the Rams defense after that? They haven't played good quarterbacks. So, yeah, right. don't exactly. don't play don't it, play them against Lamar they've, Jackson. They've thrived on bad matchups and now they're facing the number 1 offense in the league and uh, again, like a perfect example. I'd rather play Carolina against New Orleans because it's divisional matchup. Crazy stuff could happen. I'd rather play the Dolphins against the Browns because who knows? 
Like maybe the Brown the, the Browns are still the Browns. They've looked pretty terrible at many times this year. I'd rather play the Bengals against Pittsburgh. Again, divisional matchup. Maybe it's a low-scoring type game where nobody does a lot of anything in that game. So a lot of the back-end consensus defenses I would take over the Rams at this point just because it's such a terrible matchup and they haven't performed well. Completely agree with that. And to piggyback on your point, uh, we're going to go with the Falcons as a bust this week for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah, they've been great recently. They've They had a good matchup against the Saints. They held them to nine points. They held the Panthers to three points. But like you said, those are both weird divisional matchups. Those things happen. Before that, they hadn't had a game where they allowed fewer than 20 points, and they had uh, three or four games where they allowed over 30. Why do people think the Falcons are good all of a sudden? Because they had two good games. It's Yeah, they played Jameis Winston this week, but at the same time, he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside. That is like, why are you starting someone against those two players? Yeah, you're going for the turnovers, but to have them at defense six, that's just way too high. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, And the Rams right now are 10, and uh, you were right, it was Andy Dalton. So the last four games they played, they had a real good game against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. They had uh, Andy Dalton's last start as a Bengal. Their bye week, Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh, and uh, Mitch Trubisky last week, the Bears. So no thank you. Just uh, artificially inflating stats. And something that people don't seem to realize this week, or at least I don't think they do, is uh, people are starting the Cleveland Browns this week. They have them at defense five, and I really don't understand why. Because Miles Garrett is suspended. Larry Ogunjobi is suspended. Olivier Vernon, he's trying to play. He's hoping to play, but he's still battling with a knee injury. And meanwhile, Ryan Fitzpatrick just carved up the Bills' defense, and Devontae Parker looks like he's the real deal all of a sudden. Like... Why is why are we in on the Cleveland Browns? It's literally people playing anyone against Miami. And that's it. That's all it is. Is people see Miami as the matchup and they just pick up that team and start playing them. And that's all it is. That's literally the entire analysis. They don't look at who is actually on the team, who is what they're actually doing, what their opponent's been doing recently. It's just, "Oh, hey, it's the Dolphins locked in." This is like the Browns from 2 years ago. Everybody just, oh, they're playing against the Browns. Here we go. Surefire starter. And, like, sure, it's, it is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will give you that. He has just as big a chance of throwing three touchdowns as he has throwing three interceptions. But he's been playing well recently. The Dolphins have been scoring points, and everyone suspended it on the Browns. Like, where does this add up? And it's hilarious to me, too, because this this game goes one of two ways, right? Is it's a low-scoring game where neither team is doing anything and both defenses are viable, in which case the Dolphins being at 27 is ridiculous. Or it's the Browns get out to a big lead and in the second half do nothing and let the Dolphins creep back into it and it turns out to be a final score of like 35-31 and neither defense was usable. So and, I'm just if you're thinking that the Browns are somehow going to be like this huge startable play, I think you're sorely mistaken. Completely. And to what you said, I'm going to go with your second option because they're going to give Nick Chubb <laughs> at least 30 carries in this game. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, I think they'll give him like 20 and then Kareem Hunt like 15 because that's the way we've been trending lately. Uh, see, I, th- I think Kareem Hunt's going to get like 15 <laughs> targets, but oh, okay, all the yeah. carries, all well, the, in the carries second half, down. like. Nick Chubb will yeah. get like 20 carries in the first half. They'll give 15 to Hunt in the second half. How about that? Okay, I can get behind that. But either way, the defense is just not viable. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Well, uh, thank you, Jack. So next week we will be back, but on Tuesday. It is our traditional Thanksgiving Tuesday show. So we will be breaking down the three games of uh, the uh, the turkey slate. And then we'll be back for our regular Friday programming uh, as usual at the usual time. So uh, thank you for joining me for the Nooner, Jack. It was so nice to have the magician for my midday midday fantasy information. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Oh, pleasure's all mine. Can't beat a fantasy football Nooner. You really just can't beat exactly. it. Exactly. Can't do it. Uh, so follow Jack everywhere at Javanaugh87. You can follow me at nonsense underscore Steve. And until next week, just keep up the nonsense.
Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Benjamin Banger, Tritachion, and Admiral Bob. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with all the latest content on importantnonsense.com.